This is the weekend edition of the Court Report. Welcome to the Core Report special weekend edition. The 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP28, which concluded last month in Dubai, ended with a call to move away from fossil fuels, which include coal, oil, and natural gas. While India is following the same path, energy consumption in the country is quite obviously growing rapidly along with the growth of the economy. On the other hand, India is also ramping up renewable energy production ahead of many other countries. And driving this change are equally traditional oil companies and giants world over who are reinventing themselves to become more diversified energy majors and energy companies. In today's edition, supported by India Energy Week, I'm joined by Srikant Madhavvedya, Chairman of Indian Oil Corporation, as we get a peek into Indian Oil's energy blueprint for the future. Mr. Vedya, thank you so much for joining me. So suppose, let's say, in a few weeks' time from now, you woke up and we were in a world where there was no oil. We were, you know, all fossil fuels had disappeared for whatever reason. What would a company like Indian Oil do? Well, it's a good question. But let me tell you very candidly that we are already becoming an energy company. You know, We are no more a fossil fuel company. So for me, it will be business as usual because I'm already drifting away from oil and gas. There will be no rude shock, you know, as such. That's what I want to say. We'll seamlessly go into the green transition. Right. And, you know, we've just finished COP28 in Dubai and the world at large, at least the developed world, seem to agree that we need to start phasing out fossil fuels. Now, obviously, for countries like India, this is still a way to go because this is only the first acknowledgement. If you were to use that as a starting point, where does India stand today in its energy path? or its energy future, and what all are we doing today and have to do to get there? So first and foremost, let me touch upon the COP28, you know, whatever consensus was agreed upon. So for the first time, the world has agreed to move away from coal, oil, and natural gas, which are the principal causes of global warming. But at the same time, the text was very much balanced where he said that it has to be a just, orderly, and equitable transition. So I think that is the key point, you know, that it should be just, an equitable transition and can't be something that is very drastic. So I think in India, we are just following that path. We fully appreciate the fact that India, the coil consumption or the rather the energy consumption is going leaps by growing leaps and bounds because we are a very ambitious economy. We want to be 5 trillion by 2025 and 10 trillion by 2030. So obviously, once the economy grows, energy is the first input that is bound to grow. So we need to be available with the energy supplies for the nation for this rapid growth. And let me tell you, this is a very different scenario from the developed world. In the developed world, the primary energy is undergoing a negative growth rate. In fact, in US and Europe, there's a negative growth rate, whereas India, we are growing very healthily in the rate of 2.5 to 3%. So I think that calls for a very balanced approach that the current forms of energy can't just disappear. There will be chaos. So the current forms of energy, be it from coal, oil, natural gas, they will continue to play their role. But at the same time, a country like India, which is a very responsible citizen in the global arena, we are ramping up our economies in the renewable space, in the other non-conventional forms also. So we are having like a bouquet, you know, it's a bouquet of energies. So there'll be not one against each other, but we will all contribute and be together to supply the energy needs of the country. I think that's the broad vision of the country. All will exist, coexist for us some time to come, at least for a few decades to come. 
and only then we can start lowering the conventional fuels. Right. And I'll come to non-conventional in a bit, including what Indian oil is doing. But let's talk about conventional and tell us about the current landscape for Indian oil, whether as a refining company, as a marketing company, or even as a petrochemical company. Okay. So let me just add on here that Indian oil, we call ourselves the energy company because we are firmly into other forms of energy. But as you rightly said, our core business is the main business that we are still in, that is oil and gas. So we are having a refining group capacity of nearly 80 million tons. And the country has got a projection to have a refining capacity of more than 350 million tons by 2030, out of which Indian oil is 80 today. And we have already got projects on ground, which are being implemented for 25 million tons. So we will be 105 million metric tons per annum refining company by 2025-26, because all these projects are already more than midway through the execution. At the same time, we are expanding heavily in gas because we firmly believe that the gas will be a big transition fuel when we approach the net zero targets. So whatever way we are doing, we are expanding our retail network, our marketing network, our aviation network, and also our LPG network. So our conventional fuels, we are seeing a growth rate because India today is about 5.1 million barrels per day of crude oil consumption. We expect it to go to 7 million barrels per day by 2030. So as the leading energy supplier of the country, we have taken adequate steps to ensure the energy security of the country by ramping up all the refining capacity of that. Then you talked about petrochemicals. Well, petrochemicals work out a big bridge against the volatile oil cracks. And we have got a low petrochemical intensity, I have to admit that. I mean, when I mean petrochemical intensity, I mean how much of crude gets converted to petrochemicals. So today, our figure is quite low, about 5.9% only. But by 2030, this number will go to 15%. So we are making massive investments in petrochemicals in all our grassroots as well as the brownfield refinery expansions. And we are coming up with a world-scale NAFTA cracker at Paradi, which has got an investment of 60,000 crores. This is the highest ever investment by an Indian company in a single location. So we are ramping up petrochemicals. And since we have set ourselves the target of net zero, operational net zero by 2046, we are making huge strides in uh, renewable energy, be it solar, wind. We have tied up with NTPC. We have tied up with SJVN, uh, Heidel Power Company. So our, our portfolio is like complete portfolio. It fossil fuels, renewables, as well as other forms of energy like Heidel, etc. Okay, and I'll come to that in a moment. So tell us a little bit about petrochemicals. I mean, how are you seeing demand for petrochemicals overall and in terms of how, let's say, products, consumers could behave in coming years? And juxtaposed with the fact that you're also trying to diversify away from, let's say, classic refining and classic distribution of product. Well, petrochemicals, India is a huge importer of petrochemicals today. So in our Honorable Prime Minister's vision of being Atmanirvar in all forms of energy, or whether it's petrochemicals. So it syncs with the vision of the Prime Minister to more petrochemical capacity. If I go by the consumption pattern, today we are having a per capita consumption of 8 kg per person per year, whereas the global average is 30 kg per person per year. So you can see there's a huge gap already from the global average also. So obviously there's a big demand, and as I told you, we are big importers, and the non-combustible use of crude oil, that is in petrochemicals. So petrochemical, when I say the crude oil consumption is going up, it's not only for fuels, it will be also for making the feedstock available for petrochemicals. 
And petrochemicals, be it the basic polymers, polyethylene, polypropylene, plus we have got newer projects coming for oxoalcohol, then polyvinyl chloride, rubber, styrene. I mean, we are trying to invest in all facets of petrochemicals because the need of the country is so huge and humongous in all forms. I think we are satisfying that. And one project I want to really highlight is the Paradi petrochemical project that is coming up. It's a coastal project. Whereas so far, Indian oil, we have got a big petrochemical complex at Panipat, which is an inland refinery, inland location. So we are making investments in the coastal projects also. So at the same time, we also have the option to export to the neighboring countries. Because our prime minister's vision is that we not only should be big suppliers, or we should be a hub, be it for green hydrogen, for petrochemicals. So we are just in line with that vision of the prime minister. Small history question here. I mean, why is it that so many refineries of Indian oil are inland? Let's say Hindustan Petroleum, Reliance, of course, the newer one, SR, they're all on the coast. Actually, the answer is in the fact that Indian oil was created to cater to the demands of the country. We were not formed to export product. So Indian oil has all the refineries in the demand centers of the country. I'll put it that way. And they are in the inland part of the country. Otherwise, see, it's very, very easy to transport crude oil, you know, instead of transporting all the products. So like place of Panipat, we just transport crude oil from Kandla, about 1,500 kilometers, and the entire area gets fed by all the products. So we are at the demand centers. That's the difference. And our business model is not for exporting. It's for catering to the demands of the country. I mean, that is the fundamental difference between me and any private company. Right. Okay. So you have 15,000 kilometers of pipeline through which you're supplying or feeding out this product. So tell us about how you're seeing the distribution side and some of the supply chain and logistics challenges. And it's not necessarily a challenge, but how are you seeing that evolve in coming years? Okay. So you have given me a full toss and I can just talk on and on on this. (laughs) Actually, being the least cost supplier is the fundamental question. And Indian oil today, that 15,000, what you said, is actually 19,000 kilometers of pipeline, and it is growing by the day. We firmly believe that our network, which is very, very strong intricately through the nation, that gives us a big strength over any other company. Because we have got more than 120 depots and terminals. We have got more than 100 bottling plants all across the country, more than 100 aviation fuel stations across the country, 11 refineries, and the grid of logistics is immense. It's such a complicated thing that we are able to supply to any location from two refineries. That is how we have built our logistics model. In case a refinery goes for a shutdown, that particular area doesn't suffer. We have got a supply, alternative supply lined up from a different refinery. That's how we have built up the grid, you know, that entire web of uh, logistics. And we have got a very advanced logistics model because that's how that we call it the SAND model, supply and distribution model, that makes sure that whatever we supply through rail, road, pipelines, or coastal, we are able to be the least cost supplier across the country. So it's a very, very complicated game. Just to give you numbers, 40,000 trucks are plying daily from our, what should I say, secondary logistics. The primary logistics is the pipelines to the depots and terminals. And from there, the secondary logistics go up to the retail outlets. So nearly 40,000 trucks are traveling. We make 4 lakh kilometers every day. That is the strength of Indian oil. And regarding crude, I can tell you, one tanker, be it VLCC, it's getting unloaded every day, either at Mundra, Panipat, or Kandla. So that is the strength of Indian oil, that we are spread all over. And uh, I think it's only getting better by the day by more and more technology coming in. We are able to really cut down on the logistics cost, because that is one cost we really want to optimize and bring down always. Is there any illustration that 
you can share with us, I mean, something that you are specifically working on in the context of logistics and supply chain, which in your mind, maybe let's say if you look ahead, and I'm going to come to some look ahead questions in a moment, could maybe dramatically change either costs or just improve the efficiency of the system. See, normally we have a system in the oil companies of sharing product between the oil companies. That is called like hospitality arrangement. Like for example, I'll give you, suppose in Panipat, Panipat Indela has got a very strong presence. Other companies don't have a presence there. So cut down the logistics cost is not just for India oil. I'm talking for a country because I am a government company. So we have a very strong hospitality arrangement between all the oil companies. So at Panipat, I share the products with HPC, BPC. Maybe in Vizag, where HPC is very strong, I take products for them. So the essential point is I should be able to give the benefit to the consumer so that I have the least cost at the retail outlet or at the whatever depot and terminal. So that way the synergy is built up among the oil companies. It's not only the OMCs, even with the private companies, we have a big synergy in the logistics model so that eventually the customer gains. Right. So let me ask you a little bit about innovation and the startup ecosystem and how is that integrating with you? And that's something that you're going to be talking about at the India Energy Week as well. Yeah. Actually, the startup ecosystem, we have a very strong base for a startup you know, model, which our R&D is driving research and development. And we are encouraging young students to be a part of the startup scheme of Indian oil. And I think we have already disbursed around 25 to 30 crores for the startup ecosystem. And one good thing is that we are not just linked to the startup, which is only linked to my business. We are going beyond business. Like, for example, for in the medical arena, we have gone to the medical arena where we have how to measure the blood, or should I say, the hemoglobin content with our non-invasive type, the detection of TB. So we are also investing in these startups because eventually the benefit should go to the people. It's not only about oil. So we are investing in these startups also, which have directly no link to the oil and gas sector, but which are having overall benefit to the people of the country. So I think that is one good point of Indian oil, that we are not restricting ourselves only to the business, but this beyond business activity is also a very important role for us in the days and years to come. To sort of stick to the energy side of the equation, what are the problems that you're seeking to solve or you would like to see solved by, let's say, an innovation team or an innovation ecosystem? See, I think one problem which probably the world is facing is that, I am no different, my problem is the same, is that the storage system, energy storage system. Because unless the energy storage systems come of age, we are investing heavily in renewables, but that heavy investment in renewables can only help to bring down the oil imports. Eventually, you're looking at the reduction in the oil imports. Today, we are about 87% imported crude oil. So unless that imports come down, the benefit really doesn't happen. And that imports will only come when we have a very strong storage system. So we are trying to encourage the energy storage system ecosystem in a big way so that whatever energy we have from the sun and wind, which is there for a few hours in a day, at least it gets stored up and we can use it in the off-grid hours. So you have about 240-50 megawatt of renewable within your system. I mean, is it like a support function or is it like a standalone, like a power generation or an energy generation? It is actually, say, whatever power I'm drawing from these places, I'm making it, I'm taking it to my retail outlets. So basically, most, I not say all, but most of my retail outlets are like in the green arena because they're taking this green power. But this 250 or whatever you said is extremely, we are not happy with this number. We are scaling up this in a very big way. In fact, Indian Oil's vision of becoming net zero by 2046, we have got nearly 10 gigawatt ambitions. And from this year onwards, we'll be scaling up in a very big way our renewable portfolio. 
because we have a vision broader vision that today we are about one ninth energy supplier of the country we want to be one eight 12.5 percent of the energy supply to india should be from indian oil that's our vision by 2050 and renewables obviously will play a very big role in making indian oil the number one energy supplier in the country you're also doing a lot of work in biofuels can you tell us again from a vision and path perspective how this is building and scaling as we go ahead Thank you for asking this question because biofuels is something that is very dear to not only me personally but for the company because we firmly believe that unless the biofuels play a big role, dependence on the imported fuels will continue to grow. And the biofuels, the main advantage is that it totally primes up the entire economy because one-fourth of the GDP comes from the agricultural sector, nearly half the employment is in the rural sector. So biofuels, be it the, the Parali what is the waste stubble what we have, making ethanol from that. And we have put a world-scale plant in Panipat for making ethanol, bioethanol from the parali which was used to be burnt. So we are processing nearly 2 lakh tons of parali and we are making about 4 crore liters of ethanol every year. And at the same time, we are scaling up these plants in all over the country. We have got a plan of set up 30 CBG plants. CBG is compressed biogas all across the country. We are making CBG from agricultural waste. We are making CBG from municipal solid waste and from press mud of the sugar industry. So biofuel ecosystem is being very, very seriously looked after by Indian oil. And the best part is we are having more than 1,500 LOIs issued to the entrepreneurs. And Indian oil gives them the guarantee for takeoff of the product. I mean, that's a big relief for the entrepreneur. When he sets up a plant for biogas or ethanol, we undertake the promise to offtake the product completely. So I think the entire ecosystem will develop further. It has not developed so far, but I think there's a huge potential. And we see a potential of nearly 5 million tons of gas, biogas, coming by 2030. And I think we as the oil industry, including the Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas, we are really committed to take this number forward and become more and more uh, bioenergy should come in the gas grid. Right. So biofuels obviously gets blended or ethanol gets blended with petrol and that I'm assuming has no impact on, let's say, the combustibility and so on. But when it comes to gas, what is the application here and how will it go into engines or power engines? See, today we have a brand called IndiGreen. We are selling compressed biogas from our retail outlets. So automobile sector is using it today. In some places, they are using CNG, that is compressed natural gas. And wherever this biogas is available, we are supplying this as IndiGreen. And let me tell you, the calorific value of this particular gas is nearly very high than compared even to CNG because the methane content is in more in the range of 90 to 95%. So it's a very, very good fuel. It is biofuel, so it helps in the greenhouse gas emission also. And it is very, very popular. So as and when the gas is getting produced, we have got a network of nearly 36,000 retail outlets. So any part of the country where we're able to get gas, we're able to supply it through our retail outlets under the brand name of Indigreen. Also, the government of India, I should mention here, they have given the permission to inject this gas after it meets some minimum standards of purity in the natural gas grid. So I think the ecosystem is being cultivated so that wherever the plant can come, the offtake is possible either through a retail outlet or through the gas grid. Sure. So let me take you back and as we come to a close, you know, to where we started, my question was more about the vision. And if I were to now fast forward again, you're setting up EV stations in petrol pumps. That's, let's say, the retail connect point where you're actually saying, I'm going to supply you electricity instead of giving you fuel if you bring your EV car or two-wheeler to my petrol pump. Now, 
at the boardroom level and as you plan and look ahead, how are you distributing your resources and time in the way this is all coming together? So you did mention that obviously life is going to be hybrid for the foreseeable future. But how are you distributing your time and resources as Indian Oil in between the consumer connect, which could be those, let's say, those EV charging stations versus, let's say, ethanol blending versus, let's say, traditional refining expansion and, let's say, petrochemical growth? Okay, so basically what you're talking is the resource allocation of how Indian Oil is doing the resource allocation. So basically, we are very high to investing in the new forms of energy. But let me tell you at the same time that they are not very capital intensive at this point of time. Like I'll tell you, we have set up a joint venture with a company for making aluminum air batteries. Now, why aluminum air batteries? Because aluminum is abundantly available in the country and we move away from lithium, which again is an imported product. So now the trials are on and very shortly, maybe in a year or so, we'll be putting up the first aluminum air battery plant in the country because the automobile companies are already halfway through the trials and the results are very encouraging. That is one part. Secondly, biogas, biofuels, we're investing in them also because we firmly believe that we have to demonstrate. I mean, we will not overtake the entire system, but we'll make good solid examples for the entrepreneurs to follow. So we are also investing in that. Then one big area is hydrogen, green hydrogen. In fact, Indian Oil is very close to awarding the first job of green hydrogen of 10 KTA at Panipat refinery. And here we have taken a very conscious call. We means not only Indian oil, but also the Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas. That to encourage more demand, we have to now use green hydrogen in the refineries. Because unless the consumption goes up, the cost doesn't come down. Today, the cost is about three to four times than the gray hydrogen. So we are in the process of increasing the consumption by becoming consuming points in the refineries. And let me tell you with a lot of pride that our Honorable Prime Minister actually declared about green hydrogen mission from the rampants of Red Fold on August 15, 2021. And just in 25 months, we have rolled out green hydrogen buses in NCR Delhi. Today, already two are applying. And by the end of this year, 15 buses will be applying in Delhi on green hydrogen. And that green hydrogen is made from my R&D center at Faridabad. So this is one ecosystem also that Indian Oil is very actively pursuing. And India to be a green hydrogen hub, I think we are all set to become that. And hydrogen mobility, these statements are basically for hydrogen mobility. The plant at Panipat is for consuming of hydrogen in the industry. So we are trying to, I mean, cultivate the entire hydrogen ecosystem. So investments are also going in this area. And petrochemicals, before I close, petrochemicals is one big area where we are investing. We want to take care of the volatility in the crude oil market by being heavily into petrochemicals. So new forms of energy, petrochemicals, logistics I'm investing because I need to be a very good supplier, the least cost, and of course, core business. I mean, you can't take away the core business from me. So I think the thrust is on all, but certainly we are focusing on the new forms of energy. Let me ask you about green hydrogen since you mentioned it. How are you seeing that landscape? So let's say a steel plant today is a big consumer of potential consumer of hydrogen. So between, let's say, generating captively, generating for mobility, which you've just said as a test case, Versus, let's say, the big users of green hydrogen. What's your sense as you look ahead? That's what I have said. We firmly believe that the big users have to come in first. So if you see the consumption of hydrogen, maximum goes in the refining sector for the desulfurization of the fuels. Then comes the fertilizer sector. Then comes the steel sector. So our intent is that all my refineries, we will be having 50% of the hydrogen consumption of green hydrogen by 2030. So we are putting up plants all over the country in all my refineries. 
the other oil companies are also in the same vein and once we are able to do that i think industries other industries also will get activated and the consumption in the industries has to go up for the cost to come down only then hydrogen mobility will gain traction till such time hydrogen mobility will just be on statement you know which we are trying to make but the consumption has to bring down the cost that to that 111 what we say 1 kg for 1 dollar for one decade i mean that should be the cost we all look forward to by increasing the consumption in the industrial sector so you know this conversation is in the context of the india energy week which is going to happen in february 6th so uh, which obviously the idea is to bring together people to talk about some of the issues that you've already talked about net zero you've talked about energy security you've talked about biofuels you've talked about future proofing the business model for petrochemicals and maybe bringing it all together in some ways is the innovation ecosystem because you know that's really the future anything that you were looking forward which which you were to sort of you know if you were to sit with a bunch of people from your industry what are the areas that you would like to focus most on particularly going into 24 25 okay so actually i look very i'm very keenly looking forward to the india energy week fundamentally because the new forms of energy today let me tell you nobody has the answer today because nobody has got a definitive answer what the future will be like in the new forms of energy so i think we are all learning so it will be great help to get to learn from the other oil majors or the other companies because it's not only the oil companies attending the iw but all the energy companies all the startup system is ecosystem is there so we would like to collaborate with them into what more we can do to make the transition more effective like for example i'll tell you we are keenly looking for say electrolyzer manufacturing tie ups because so far we are also on the lookout for a permanent type in the pam electrolyzer or the other from the electrolyzer so we are looking for collaborations which will help us to grow as a company which will help us to be more reliant in our country because we just want don't want to be buyers of technology indenwale is looking at a ecosystem where we manufacture that in our country and supply that battery storage i think all the ecosystem which are still developing and nascent stage all over the country all over the world i should say we are looking at collaborations of that and before i close i want to tell you we have got a world class r&d center at faridabad it's a 60 acre complex and we are replicating that at a cost of 3000 crores just 7 kilometers away from the existing complex we are doing great research there fundamentally it was set up for manufacture and supply for lubricating oils but now we have shifted ourselves to making more of renewable energies and other pathways to make green hydrogen so i think i would like to collaborate for the r&d also on what more we can do because today is the age of collaboration no more we can work in isolation so i think india energy week is the right forum is the right place for us to collaborate for doing something big because time is running out as we all know we need to do something for planet earth i think iw is one big forum where we can come together and find some lasting solutions mr vaidya it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for joining me thank you This interview series has been supported by India Energy Week to take place on the 6th of February. For more details log on to www.indiaenergyweek.com. That was the core report with me Govindraj Athiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. 
We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant, including, of course, India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback at the core.in. And thank you once again for listening.